Welcome to Avatar with Academics. My name is Sam Mulberry, and I have never watched Avatar The Last Airbender. And I'm Annie Berglund, and I have watched it before. Annie, we have made it to Book to Earth, Chapter 10, The Library. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about this one, just right off the bat? Uh, you know, I this is one that is high on the lists for people. Yep. There's a lot of enthusiasm a- around this. So I went into it... Unfortunately, I went into it with really like high, high hopes. Mm. And I think the first time through, I'm like, that was good. But I didn't know like, well, I don't know that this is like this apex level episode. But when I rewatched it to do to like actually sit and do my notes, there was just so much stuff that I was like, man, this is great and really interesting. And when you when we'll get into this, when you think about what this does to our characters and what it does to our story. Mm. Um, this is a really, really important episode. Yeah, I also would say, and I'll point this out a little bit later, but I think people love it because once you've watched the whole series, you go back to this episode and it feels like a you notice so much more. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, because I just looked at it as like we get some character turning points. We get some things happening. This, I'm assuming, so this is written by John O'Brien. Okay, right? yeah, 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 that's right. Um, <laughs> I'm assuming that... In the writer's room, this is one when they were sort of uh, laying out the story. This is a pivotal moment because there are some things in some previous episodes where you could – we talked about with Avatar Day and a couple of things. like You could sort of move them around to mm. different moments and it wouldn't really matter. Um, but this feels like – I know the back half of season two is supposed to be great. This feels like – when they said, when they said, okay, here's where we're going to start the arc, which is going to get us to the end of, uh, to the end of season two. Wh- yep. Whatever the end game for season two is, this is where it like actually starts. Everything else was building up, setting up, moving chess pieces around, building connections between people, getting people to the right places. Yep. And then it's like, this is the one, this, this episode ends with propulsion as to where we're going. I didn't end this episode thinking, hmm, I wonder where they're going to go next. Exactly. I know I know where they're headed. I know why they're headed there. I know they have reasons to be on the move. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, we've ended almost every episode of season two being like, well, we still don't know what their aim is. And now we have a clear one. Mm-hmm. I'm so excited to talk yes, about it. Yes. All right. Uh, let's just dive yeah. into the uh, dive into the summary here. Uh, so the episode opens with the Aang gang, uh, out in like a desolate prairie and we see Aang sitting and he appears to be meditating, um, or something, right? We're trying Mm -hmm. to figure out what he's doing. Uh, and Sokka thinks that there's really nothing to see. It's just like, it really is just like, if you've ever driven out to the Dakotas, you know, and you're just kind of in the, it's just like, there's planes. Yeah. And it's, it's not particularly picturesque. It's just like there. Yeah. Now there are picturesque parts of the Dakotas. Don't don't imagine those. Don't imagine like Badlands, Black Hills area. Think of more like just dead, like Eastern empty. Dakotas. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, uh, but Toph assures him that there's a lot going on under the ground, uh, and I underline this in my notes because it's like, oh, here is a, a lesson for today. Yeah, that there is a lot going on under the ground. She says, actually, there are hundreds of little... And then Aang cuts her off and says, I know you can see underground, but don't ruin the surprise. Just watch. So Aang blows on a flute. And with each note that he blows, a little prairie dog pops up out of a hole in the ground and tries to match the note. Right? So And so he does this a few times. It's very funny. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and Aang says, I'm putting an orchestra together. And Sokka says, orchestra, huh? 
Well, la di da. And then we see three groundhogs uh, or prairie dogs, excuse me, pop their head up and sing the la di da just like uh, just like Sokka did. Uh, and we see Momo jump in to try to catch one of the uh, one of the prairie dogs. Um, and we see, and then you know, Ang keeps playing with them. And Sokka says, "This is great and all, but we don't. Or, but don't we have more important things to worry about? We should be making plans." And here we're seeing, you know, Sokka is thinking about the ticking clock, right? right. You know, like, like we need to figure out kind of what we're doing here. Um, and this led me to think, like, what's been happening what that we haven't been seeing is we saw in bitter work, but we can extrapolate this out is Aang is doing a lot of training. He now has two teachers, right? Mm -hmm. Doing a lot of training. And this must be very boring for Sokka and Sokka must be thinking a lot about time and thinking about, okay, so once you are trained up, what's our next move then? Because just like we are thinking, well, where are they headed? Sokka Mm -hmm. is really our proxy here a little bit. And he's saying like, Sure seems like we should be we should have more direction in terms of where we're going. Right. Exactly. And that was how Katara was season one until she became a master and then kind of had a role in those downtimes. Exactly. Right. Um, Toph says, uh, we did make plans. We're all picking mini vacations. <laughs> and Saka says, there's no time for vacations. So this must be Aang's chosen mini vacation i love it i mean that makes so much sense he wakes up and he's talking about how he wants you know like wakes up in the first episode talking about how he wants to see all these animals ride all these animals it's perfect for him yeah yeah so these these are some of those special animals and they are pretty special that he wants to see (laughs) ang says i'm learning the elements as fast as i can i practice hard every day with Toph and katara i've been training my arrow off (laughs) katara says yeah what's wrong with having a little fun during our downtime so again, again, Sokka is not part of any of this. He he is just sort of, I assume, sitting around, probably doing grunt work. Like he is the one setting up camp and going to get food while they're doing the thing he can't do. Right. Uh, Sokka says, even if you do master all of the elements, then what? It's not like we have a map to the Fire Nation. Should we just head west until we reach the Fire Lord's house? Knock knock. Hello, Fire Lord. Anybody home? I don't think so. We need some intelligence if we're going to win this war. He's not wrong. <laughs> no. He is, he's not wrong because they're, they're very focused on learning the elements, but they, they aren't doing this other thing. Katara says, all right, we'll finish our vacations. Then we'll look for Sokka's intelligence, <laughs> which is a pretty good dig on Sokka. But again, like I said, Sokka's not wrong. Right. He's he's pushing us in, in the right direction. Right. Everything they do is like, they never proact. They're not proactive in how they plan. It's like reacting to whatever is thrown at them. Exactly. And this time they actually have downtime. And so Sokka's thinking ahead. And he's like, we need to have a plan. But no one wants to do that. I do also love that that there is this sense of like, we, we kind of need to take a break too. <laughs> yes. Um, even though I think I'm on, I, my personality is like Sokka here where I'd be like, Guys, vacations are after Sozin's Comet. <laughs> like, like the, we, There's a timeline. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, there's other things we can be doing. But Aang is all about fun, right? That, that's right. That's right. He brings hope, but he also brings fun. Um, Aang pulls out a map and tells Katara it's her turn to pick a mini vacation spot. She asks about the Misty Palms Oasis. And Aang <laughs> says, oh, yeah, I've been there. It's a pristine natural ice ground. And I, I usually don't use the word pristine. <laughs> It's one of nature's wonders. And we see a drawing of it on, of the map on the Oasis, and it's like a big circular village 
with a huge ice peak in the center. Uh, and then we see this this image dissolve into the Misty Palms oasis of modern day. The music kind of fizzles out like a record player whose power was cut. <laughs> and we see that the oasis looks run down and there's almost nothing left of the ice. Uh, so as they walk in, Ang says, it must have changed ownership since I was here. <laughs> right. So it's uh, not what it was like 100 years ago. And as he says this, the sign crashes down behind them. Um, so they walk through the village and we see a dog licking at the small remaining lump of ice. And it seems like it's just a regular dog. Mm. Like I, this is, yeah. doesn't seem like a dog. Maybe it's a dog crossed with another dog. Right. We don't see regular animals. Is this the first one we've seen? I think occasionally we see some. And what I, what I wonder is, are we not, a, are we missing like what the cross is on that? Or, right. or maybe they just didn't do a cross on this one. But this looks, just looks like a regular dog licking the ice. Um, so Aang leads them to like a bar or tavern that has a bunch of what I can only describe as sand people. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I mean. The costumes. Yeah. I, the would outfits. Say, I would say if you're listening to this, close your eyes if unless you're driving <laughs> and just picture sand people. Yeah. Now, don't edit your first draft of sand people. That's what we're talking about, right? Absolutely. Like, like that, that's what these look like. Um, and they're kind of loitering outside. There's a lot of like. Moss Eisley vibes here. Yes. Even I noted that. Right. <laughs> when I was watching it. It's uh, like this little cantina in the middle of this exactly. desolate. Yep. Yep. Exactly. So so this we can think about this episode and I think, you know, maybe the episodes to come as the uh, the Ang Gang visits Tatooine. <laughs> it, it, there's definitely lots of moments like that. And the Oasis is clearly a spot where a lot of travelers pass through. Yep. Yep. Um, and as they're walking in, one of the sand people spits at Sokka's feet. Um, inside the bar, we see a bunch of patrons. This is not like Mos Eisley as much. Uh, we see a bunch of patrons just sort of sitting, talking, drinking, sleeping. It's kind of depressing, right? It's not, it doesn't seem like an active, vibrant place. There's just a lot of like, just, there's people there, but. Yeah. yeah. And it doesn't seem like shifty or shady or anything. No. Everyone's just chilling and drinking. Day drinking, though. <laughs> like, like it's depressing like day drinking, right? Yes. Okay. That's true. Um, so in the bar, a man, or at the bar, a man orders a mango drink. And we see the bartender use two swords, but really not his hands, to create and serve the drink. Now, is this served in like an ice cup? Or is it like crystal? Oh, I was thinking it was ice. Yeah, that's what I thought, too. So, are they using the ice from the... Oh, like, are they going out and, like, chipping away at the... <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I, 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 drinks? I don't know. But it's, like, I've never thought of a of a drink where the cup itself was made of ice. Yeah, it's like a bread bowl, except for way less yeah. practical. Yeah, I kind of <laughs> love it, though. Yeah, it would make you drink it quicker. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you should listen to Tweet Victory if you want to know about our anxiety about eating uh, cold, melty things. <laughs> Um, so he does this completely with these two swords. And I wrote in my notes, is this the Misty Palms Oasis version of Benny Hanna? Because it's pretty <laughs> yeah. entertaining to watch his like sword knife skills as he chops this thing up. And oh, the camera lingers on it. Drink. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so Saka says, I don't see anything wrong with having one of those fruity beverages while we plan our strategy. So we get hungry Saka. Yeah. Thirsty Saka. And now he's like, oh, I'm all right with vacation. That's right. That's right. Also, can I just say, I love the choices of vacations with Aang's makes perfect sense. And so does uh, Katari's too. Also, I would think if Iroh was with them, he would also be like, yes, let's go to the Oasis. Well, he would also be pro vacation, pro yes. mini vacation. Yeah. I just love that. Yeah. 
Katara chooses like pristine, beautiful water is involved. Mm-hmm. Aang chooses animals. Sokka searching for intelligence. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah, no, it makes perfect sense. So we see Aang accidentally run into the man who ordered the drink. And he's wearing a long coat with lots of bags on. Um, he has a hood on with a wide-brimmed hat. And it's all in tan. Uh, and Aang, you know, after the guy spills the drink on Aang, he airbends to dry himself off. And the man exclaims, you're a living relic, an air nomad right in front of me. And he introduces himself as Professor Z, head of anthropology at Ba Sing Se University. So he's from Ba Sing Se. <laughs> ba Sing Se has a university. I know. With an anthropology department. So cool. Yeah. Um, and uh, we see that Z is fascinated with Aang. Uh, he grabs his hand and starts inspecting Aang's tattoos. He says, tell me. Which of the air temples do you hail from? And Aang says, Southern Temple? Oh, splendid. Now tell me, what was the primary primary agricultural product of your people? And while he's doing this, he's measuring Aang's head with calipers? <laughs> like, to get the size of his head? Like Aang is an object for him to study. Exactly. Even though Aang is also a person standing in front of him. <laughs> and it's interesting because he's just like, oh, wow, an airbender. I've never seen an air, an air nomad. I've never seen one. He's not thinking this is the Avatar. He's like, that's interesting. It's the first time I think somebody's recognized him for what he is, but not for what he is. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so he asks what the, the primary agricultural product is, and Ang says, Are fruit pies an agricultural product? <laughs> Z, uh, Z says, Oh, truly, impre- uh, truly fascinating. That's one for the journal. So here we have Sokka jump in um, and. Now that they have their drinks, he asks the professor if he has a more up-to-date map, right? Because mm-hmm. Sokka is now back onto the program of we've got to we've got to figure out where we're going, what we're doing here. It's a smart move. It is. So the professor shows them his map, but Sokka is disappointed because it doesn't include the Fire Nation, right? It's just a map of really the part of the Earth Kingdom where they are, uh, with you know in this this desert. Uh, and Katara points out that he's made a lot of trips into the desert. And Z says, all in vain, I'm afraid. I found lost civilizations all over the Earth Kingdom, but I haven't managed to find the crown jewel. Wan Chi Tong's library. Uh, so what, what I love about this is I love this idea that, that uh, Professor Z is this anthropologist, also this archaeologist, right? Mm-hmm. And this episode is going to have a little bit of um, Indiana Jones vibes to it. But, like, I would watch a Discovery Channel style show with Professor Z as he talks about the, yes. these lost civilizations of the Earth Kingdom. Like, just Netflix, just go make that show. Yeah. I'll watch it. He's eccentric. He's positive. Obsessive. That'd yeah. be hilarious. Yeah, he It'd be awesome. Kind. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's kind of the first person that they meet that where they aren't, like, kind of... I don't know. seems like most people have some kind of barrier when they meet another person. Mm-hmm. Some yeah. kind of distrust, especially because they look different. They're or dressed the, different. Yeah. Or they see, or it seems like that person is going to be threatening. And, and you know, when they first meet, there's this, a- Aang runs into him and there's a spilling of the drink and he diffuses it immediately and mm. then stays there. Yeah. You know, and he doesn't appear to have a dark side, which is kind of cool. Yeah. I like that. Um. So he talks about how he's never found this library, and we see Tox, Tong, Toph relaxing <laughs> with her feet up, um, and she says he she can't believe he spent years wandering through the desert looking for a library. Now, this shot of, of Toph with her feet up, 
made me think about uh, in Lord of the Rings mm-hmm. um, in the old the old Rankin and Bass seventies animated Lord of the Rings. There's a shot of uh, Proudfoot, one of the hobbits, mm-hmm. and it's the exact same shot where like feet bare feet up in the foreground, and then the person sort of kind of leaning back and and relaxing. And in the Peter Jackson movies, um, if you listen to the commentaries for Fellowship of the Ring, he explains that he loved that shot from Rankin and Bass. And actually, when you see Proudfoot at Bilbo's birthday party, he recreates that exact shot. And then this is a version of that shot. <laughs> you know, and there's it's like a strong emphasis on on Toph's like bare feet. We see them dirty, which makes sense because she is barefoot and she uses her bare feet in the in the earth right mm-hmm. so i'm um, kind of emphasizing her it's like staring into her eyes in a kind of way if you think true about yeah it. and she's like talking over but from the background and mm-hmm. it's blurred like you see her feet yeah so z says this library is more valuable than gold it's said to contain a vast collection of knowledge and knowledge is priceless according to legend it was built by the great knowledge spirit Wan Chi Tong, with the help of his foxy knowledge seekers. So Sokka's like, oh, so the spirit has attractive assistance, huh? Guitar's like, I think he means <laughs> they're actual foxes. That's <laughs> so good. And Z says, you're both right. Handsome little creatures. Wan Chi Tong and his knowledge seekers collected books from all over the world and put them on display for mankind to read so that we might better ourselves. Which is interesting. I, that that idea that they're they're collected and put on on display for mankind, so we may better ourselves. So we're getting Wan Chi Tong's mission statement, mm. right? This is the purpose of the library. Now, did this library make you think of anything? No. I thought of the library at Alexandria. Oh, third yeah. century BC, right? This is one of these, you know, in the in the ancient world. It's this attempt. Uh, so this is under. Uh, I didn't know this part uh, off the top of my head. Uh, Ptolemy the Second Philadelphus um, is under his rule in Al- in Egypt. Right? Um, they start to construct this massive library in Alexandria, mm. and it really is this collection. It's an, this attempt to be a collection of all knowledge from the ancient Hellenistic world. Um, so at its peak. It has between 40,000 and 400,000 scrolls, which is the equivalent modern day of about 100,000 books. So, I mean, so it really, it's interesting because like when I heard uh, Z describe this library, I was like, oh my gosh, that's exactly that. And if you're thinking about an ancient scholar, now that this library, there's a big fire in the first century B.C., and it sort of dwindles out and and goes away over time. This is not an existing uh, existing Mm -hmm. library. But like this is the holy grail. This would be the holy grail for uh, certain ancient scholars, right? Because sure. it is the it is the collected knowledge of the ancient world. So I love yeah. this idea that that the Avatar world has an equivalent of this, and there's this knowledge spirit that is uh, working to collect this and working to collect this for a pretty benevolent reason, right? right? Not for him, not for the spirit world at all. Yeah, just. For people, yeah, the, and f- so that people can better themselves, yeah. Right? So, so, and and I, I keep, I've read that line three times, but I think it's important because no surprise, we're going to get to this library in the episode. It's what the episode's called, <laughs> and we're going to meet uh, Wan Chi Tong, and I think it's important to remember 
what his project is. Right. Um, because we're going to see how that plays out over a very long history. So Z pulls out a drawing of the library uh, and they're looking at it. And Sokka says, if this place has books from all over the world, do you think that they have info on the Fire Nation? A map, maybe. And Z says, I wouldn't know. But if such a thing exists, it's in Wan Chi Tong's library. So then we see Sokka stand up and make an announcement. He, he says, Aang, I do believe it's my turn. I'd like to spend my vacation. And then he makes this big proclamation at the library. And he's like pointing, right? And and there's these, um, I, I had to look up what this was called. Because yeah. it's, it's a very typical shot in like anime where you break the background and the character, like they're no longer in the actual place. And like, they're just in this space with, it's like these lines behind them. Right. And it's often used when people are fighting um, in, in, in anime, things like that. So these are just called speed lines. I was hoping there was like a cooler name for it, but that's what it's called. So, so if you do a search for anime speed lines, yeah, like an image search, you'll see a bunch of these. It's like, that's exactly what, yeah. what he does here. I know so, exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. So, um, it's like they're in hyperspace. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, and it's like, it, it, it's very comic booky because they're uh. usually, they're usually, it's usually a still shot and the lines are moving behind them a little mm. bit, you know? So, so this is what we get of, of Sokka making this announcement that he wants to take his vacation <laughs> at the library. Uh, and Toph asks uh, when it's going to be her turn to t- pick a vacation. And Sokka says, you've got to work here a little bit longer before you're qualified for vacation time, <laughs> which is pretty funny. Um, so Toph's kind of miffed at that. Uh, Z says, of course, there's the matter of finding it. I've made several trips into the Zihong Desert and almost died each time. I'm afraid the desert's impossible to cross. And Sokka says, Professor, would you like to see our sky bison? <laughs> and Z is over the moon at the news that a sky bison exists. Yep. So, I love him. Yes. I think I love the professor. Yeah, he's pretty great. Uh, I also love that Sokka gets his his journey to knowledge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, I think, and like you said, it is, it's very fitting um, that he's both his desire to make plans is sated by this opportunity, but it's also like this is a version of Sokka, like like the Sokka that we saw at the Northern Air Temple, um, is the type of person who would say, "Oh, can we go spend time in the library?" Yeah, you know, even though the Sokka we see in episodes one and two in the at the beginning of the of the show, you'd be like, "This is not the person who's going to want to." Right. Sit around and read stuff. Right. Exactly. Um, So we cut to outside and we see Appa and we see four sand people. uh, Again, they look like the sand people from Star Wars a little bit. Mm. Um, And they're all approaching Appa. And Appa doesn't seem too happy about this. And then we see Z run out and shoo them away. And he calls them sandbenders. And they leave on a sand skiff, some kind of sand ship that floats on the sand. And it's powered by... Sand bending. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So it's interesting. So, sand bending is a subset of earth bending. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's super interesting. And we'll see. Uh, has uh, Toph yet explained how hard it is for her in the desert? She's going to in this, in this okay. episode. We're going to, we're going to see this. Yeah. Um, so, so bending sand is not the same as other forms of earth bending. Mm-hmm. So then we, from there, we move to Appa flying over the desert with the Ang Gang and Professor Z. 
Uh, we see Sokka is shirtless. He's wearing his shirt uh, kind of as a hat to cover his head and his neck in the sun. He looks like an explorer. He does. He does. He's sort of putting on the role. Um, and we see that Z is enamored with Appa. But he's oddly uninterested in Momo. Because he knows that Appa's the last of his kind, but Momo is also the last of his kind. So it's just funny. Yeah. It's like it's like he doesn't understand that Momo is as precious of a specimen <laughs> or should be to him as, as Appa is. He definitely dismisses Momo. Yes. Um, and we see Aang looking at the drawing of the library and he says, it seems like it should be easy to find since the desert seems entirely barren. Whenever we see shots of the desert, it's not flat exactly because there's like dunes of sand, but it's just... It's Endless. nothing but sand. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it just seems to go on forever. So this huge building should be easy, um, should be easy to find. Uh, Toph is the first person to get bored. Makes sense. You know? Um, yes, because she's flying, so she can't she already can't see, and now she can't sense what's going on. So she says, Does this place even exist? And Z says, Well, some say it doesn't. Toph says, Shouldn't you have mentioned that before? And we see another shot of Toph's feet. Um, which made me wonder if this episode was directed by Quentin Tarantino. I don't know. Are you familiar with the feet thing with Quentin Tarantino? No. I think in every one of his films, if not everyone, almost everyone, there is a moment where there is like a distinct shot of, it's usually a woman's feet. And it's often like sitting up barefoot. Like oh. a, So it's a, it's a running thing with Tarantino and you can do with that what you want. But, <laughs> um, but, but if you watch any of his movies, you're like, oh, there's the obligatory feet shot. So I had no idea. I'm wondering if this is also a nod. To, I mean, maybe the people who made this episode were like, oh, let's do a Tarantino thing. <laughs> None of the rest of this episode seems like a Tarantino movie, but that part, uh, that part definitely does. <laughs> That's so weird. It is. But doesn't it seem strange that like twice in this episode we get like distinct shots of the her feet? The same. Yeah. Like, yeah. yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's definitely, it's definitely intentional. I mean, the show is literally drawn, so it's not like they accidentally got these shots. They created these shots. Right. Um, so later we see Toph point into the distance and announce, there it is. And everyone moves to look. Um, all they see is more sand dunes. And Toph says, that's what it will sound like when one of you spots it. And she waves her hand over her eyes, reminding everyone she's totally blind, especially in the air. She's genius. <laughs> it's such a funny, uh, such a funny move. Um, later, Sokka sees something pointing out of the sand. Uh, so Appa lands so they can investigate. Uh, they see it's just a small tower. And Kataro points out that the building in the drawing is enormous. This can't be it. Suddenly, they see a fox with a scroll in its mouth appear over one of the sand dunes. It walks up to the tower. Then it just walks up the tower um, and into the window at the top. Mm-hmm. And Z says, I think that's one of the knowledge seekers. We must be close to the library. And Sokka says, no, this is the library. He points out that the little tower is a spire that's on the top of the library in the picture. Uh, the library library is buried under the stand. And Z is, Z is just broken up by this. He's like, the library's buried? My life's ambition is completely full of sand. Well, time to start excavating. And he takes out this little, like, hand scoop as if he's going to dig out this entire building uh with that and he does it cheerfully yeah yeah he's like well let's let's get to work the guy has faced death multiple times to find this place <laughs> yes uh and Toph uh puts her hand on the tower and she says actually that won't be necessary the inside seems completely intact and it's huge 
Um, so this here we get back to the there's a lot going on underground, right? Top mm-hmm. is like it appears that that there's nothing left, but in fact there's a whole world uh, underground, and we're gonna see that. Um, so Sokka points out that the fox went through a window in the tower. So they decide to climb up and take a look. Toph says, you guys go ahead without me. And Katara kind of snarkily says, you got something against libraries? And Toph says, I've held books before. And I've got to tell you, they don't exactly do it for me. And we see Katara come to this realization of, oh, right, sorry. Toph says, let me know if they have something you can listen to. And I think this is interesting because this episode and the next episode, we're going to learn a little bit more about Toph's limitations mm. um, in certain situations. And, and we're learning about it. And we're also, it's like the first time that the that Aang and Katara and Sokka are really realizing like, oh, this is hard for, like, like there are things that are hard for Toph because they forget, they keep forgetting that she can't see because she always seems to be able to see. Yeah. But the more that they fly... Uh, going to a library, we're going to learn about the sand making it difficult, too. It's like she's actually, although she is this unbelievably powerful bender, she also has some major limitations Yeah, uh, because of her lack of sight. I think even her personality, too, is like always mm, il- illustrating her strength. Like she's always pushing this vibe of like, I'm very strong. I'm very capable. I mm-hmm. carry my own weight. Right. Yeah. So I think it's especially it's probably easy for them to fall into the idea that, oh, she, you know, she she can see, right? Or, like, she, there is no limitations. Right, right. Yeah. And, and it's also going to be about her coming to terms with some yeah. of these limitations as well. Exactly. Um, so, we see Aang pat up and he says, don't worry, buddy. I'm not making you go underground ever again. Like, this is a callback to the cave of two lovers, right? Yeah, poor guy. He says, you can stay out here with Toph. And there's a long pause while Appa, Appa and Toph just sort of stand together awkwardly and Toph's like, well, what, what's up? It's just, it's, <laughs> it's, it's very funny because we are get we talked a few episodes back about interesting pairings. Yes. And here we get this pairing of Appa and Toph. And we had uh, uh, Toph and Iroh. I'm like, I want to see Toph with everyone. Yeah. I feel like she yeah. is a really fun character to throw with different people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Her personality is great. So, so they're going to get paired up while everybody else goes, uh, goes into the, the library. So with the help of Sokka's grappling hook, and I wrote in my notes, is, is he just Batman at this point? Does he <laughs> just have all these tools? I think it's actually his boomerang and he just tied a rope around it. Smart. Yeah. Yeah. But they use this to climb up the tower, uh, and down inside of the tower. So they find themselves in the great open vault or rotunda of the library, because this would be under the big main dome. Um, and you can see the library is huge with many, many floors. It seems to just keep going down and down mm-hmm. and down. And we see owl heads capping the pillars surrounding them. Z says, oh, this is breathtaking. The spirit spared no expense when designing this place. Look at those beautiful buttresses. And we see Aang and Sokka giggle. And Z's like, well, what's so funny? And Aang says, nothing we just like architecture. I laughed. I I'm so I'm sad, but I laughed really hard. Yeah, yeah. You said you didn't like like little kid, little boy humor. Like this is such a little boy humor. <laughs> I liked this one a lot. If they just would have said the word "but" when they giggled, it would that would have just been the cherry on top. Oh. Uh, so when they reach the floor, Z starts to really marvel at what he's seeing. He says, "My word, the exquisite mosaic handiwork of the tile rendered avian symbol." And he kind of looks around and everybody's just like, what? He says, uh, nice owl, right? So we're seeing him 
realizing like, okay, I can't geek out too much. Yeah. I need to try to connect with these Man, young people. We all have something like that, don't we? Yeah. Yes. Where I will just go and then I'll go off and be like, oh, you didn't ask for that. No, no one asked for that. Right. That was me. <laughs> right. Uh, so they hear a rustling sound and they all hide. And in walks an enormous black owl spirit with a white face like a barn owl. Yeah. They picked the scariest type of owl. Yeah, yeah. Barn owls are spooky. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like a very, uh, barn owls have a very flat face mm-hmm. um, with with the eyes and then and then the beak kind of low. Like, it's uh, it's definitely not like, the like there are cute versions of owls. This is not that. It's These are the scary ones. I eerie. remember as a little kid, um, there was this small zoo we went to that had injured animals in it. Um, and they had barn owls, and I remember like walking past those really quick to get past them because, oh. like, I I did not like There's I did not like them. Something about them that's like haunting and eerie. Right? They they seem like ghosts. Now I love them for that matter. I think they're really cool, but I also don't think I'd want to see one in the wild. I think <laughs> I would be freaked out by it. Same. So anyhow, this spirit looks around and starts to speak with a very haunting, kind of echoey voice. How would you How would you describe? It's like layered, almost yeah. like the Avatar State voice it's, is layered. And I'm trying to think back if if Ko had a similar voice or not. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think his was pretty clear. But there, it does make me think, like, why is this, like, spirit? It's like a spirit world, but not. Mm-hmm. It's, like, merged, like a bridge. Mm-hmm. But isn't that not supposed to exist outside of, like, Aang and the Avatar? But if you think about the... Uh... If you think about the the fish in, uh, in the north, like they had physical representations. So I wonder then, yeah. Even the hey bai was physical, right? That's true. I wonder if, yeah, it brings so many questions. This episode brings so many questions because I'm like, is this, did this guy choose like a mortal life as well? Like the other spirit, you know, and then like are other spirits looking down on him? Is that unacceptable? Like his, his benevolence? Yeah. Something that, you know, there's so many, I just want to know all about his backstory right and right. why a barn owl <laughs> yeah yeah no it's it's uh, yes yes <laughs> yes and yes um so uh this he has this like so the, this it, the, whatever the voice effect is is perfect yes yeah and he says i know you're back there and Z is so excited, he walks up to the spirit and says i'm professor z head of anthropology at bossing say university the spirit says, you should leave the way you came unless you want to become a stuffed head of anthropology. And we see it pan over to a pillar that has three stuffed heads on it. One is a like a tusked musk, musk ox. Mm. Um, that one I could identify. The other two, some kind of spider bat thing with like a, but it's huge. Um, and the other, maybe a frog-fish combo. I'm really bad at this. I'm bad at identifying animals, animal cross-ups. No worries. I just Google it. You can't because you don't want to be spoiled. Yeah. So did you find out what they are? No, I didn't. I didn't with these ones. Okay. I like your descriptions. Okay. I will do my best. But but I, I like frog-fish thing. It, it has like gills it, and it's yeah. like a frog head, but it also has like fish teeth. Yes. And almost like a, like the underneath is striped like like a whale, like you know? Yeah, it uh that one stuck out to me the most as being kind of disturbing. Yeah, yeah. Um so anyhow, it's definitely a threat saying you should get out of here because otherwise you're going to become a specimen in this collection. You're not welcome here. So then we see the rest of the gang walk out. And Sokka says, "Are you the spirit who brought this library into the physical world?" 
And the owl says, Indeed, I am Wan Chitong, he who knows 10,000 things. That's a great that's a great way to introduce yourself, a great <laughs> title. Uh, and you're obviously humans, which, by the way, are no longer permitted in my study. Aang says, what do you have against humans? And Wan Chi Tong says, humans only bother learning things to get an edge on other humans. Like that firebender who came to this place a few years ago, looking to destroy his enemy. So, and we see him bring his face right up to Sokka. Who are you trying to destroy? And Sokka, and we, and it's a, such a cool shot because we see Sokka respond, but the camera's not on Sokka. It's on the eye of Wan Chitong really close up. And we see Sokka only in, uh, in the reflection. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sokka says, what? No, 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 no destroying. We're not into that. And Wan Chitong says, uh, then what have you? Why have you come here? And Sokka says, uh, "Knowledge for knowledge's sake," <laughs> which I think is I think only the professor can claim that, right? Right. No, absolutely, because the prof- that is actually I think that what the professor is here for, as we'll see. Um, Sokka says, or Wan Chi Tong says, if you're going to lie to an all-knowing spirit, you should at least put some effort into it. And Sokka says, "I'm not lying." I'm here with the Avatar. He's the bridge between our worlds. He'll vouch for me. And he sort of pushes Aang forward, and Aang's like, uh, yeah, I'll vouch for him. <laughs> um, will not abuse the knowledge. And let's really pay attention to what Aang says here. We will not abuse the knowledge uh, in your library, good spirit. You have my word. Which is interesting, because we know why... Aang, I mean, Aang and, and his friends are there for a specific reason, and this is not true. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, let, let's before we go on, let's think about Wan Chi Tong basically closing off the library to humans and his reason for that. Now, he's he's making a reference to uh, Admiral Zhao, right? Right. We've we've seen Zhao reference this library, and on the previously on Avatar, like they show <laughs> us that scene again to to just uh, remember that, but. It's interesting because this is sort of, sort of making an observation about human nature. Right. Um, human greed, human sin, right? This idea of like knowledge is this instrumental thing which can give you an advantage over something. Right. Um, and remember that uh, the mission statement for the library was so that we may improve ourselves. <laughs> you know, that there is this aspirational, admirable reason for the library, but he's seeing what do human beings actually do with this? Right. There is no such thing as knowledge for knowledge's sake in his eyes, perhaps, right? Right, right. Like no. for humans, for humans. Absolutely, right? So Wan Chi Tong says, very well, I'll let you peruse my vast collection on one condition. To prove your worth as scholars, you have to contribute some worthwhile knowledge. So Z offers up a book, which the spirit gladly accepts. Katara offers a waterbending scroll, which he also accepts. He's like, ooh, these drawings are exquisite. Yeah, yeah. Um, Aang offers up his wanted poster. <laughs> like grasping at straws here yeah. a little bit. Wan Chi Tong says, I suppose that counts. Um, Sokka, Sokka says, oh, great spirit, check this out. Ta-da! And he ties a knot that looks like a dragonfly. Like, like I thought it was like almost like a fly fishing knot. But oh, it's just yeah. like, it's, yeah, I don't really know what the purpose of it. It's like, but just like with a piece of twine. It's like a string that was in his pocket. Yes. Uh, and he says, it's a special knot. That counts as knowledge. 
And Wan Chi, uh, Wan Chi Tong says, you're not very bright, are you? <laughs> but he reluctantly accepts the knot and flies off. And Sokka says, I'm bright enough to fool you. This is very dark. It is. It is. But see, the thing is, Sokka is going in with an expressed purpose, which it like it, it's what troubles me about Aang is that Aang lies. Yeah. You know, instead of saying, this is why we're here. Let me explain and make and make a case. He says, you have my word. And Aang seems to be someone who values like purity more than that. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think of Aang as being someone who would say all for the greater good, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yes, but not not if he's going to sacrifice his word or his right. dedication to pacifism and or he's, whatever. He's already speaking as the Avatar at this point. Right. You know, he's already, it's not, he's not pretending he's not the Avatar, right? They've already played that card. So that's, I think, like, this is a really interesting moment here. Now, what's interesting is Wan Chi Tong's, uh, estimation of Sokka is you're not very bright which is funny because we've seen that Sokka might be a genius yeah you know like mechanically he might be a genius he what what he's doing uh at the northern air temple and some of these other things so it's 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 very it's very funny that this all-knowing spirit is maybe reading him wrong yeah and in in multiple ways reading his motivations wrong maybe maybe not um but also you know thinking there's not much to this guy right so maybe not the best judge of character. No. And he says, like, I'm all-knowing, too. And I was like, mm, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. So we cut to outside, and we see Appa and Toph are sitting in the shade of the tower. Uh, Trof- Toph tries to make conversation. <laughs> so she's like, so, do you like flying? Of course, I'm more comfortable on the ground where I can see. Well, I don't see the way you do. I feel the vibrations in the ground with my feet. But the sand is so loose and shifty, it makes everything look fuzzy. And Appa growls, and she says, not that there's anything wrong with fuzzy. <laughs> um, but it's in, it is interesting, because here's where we're getting the first picture that um, she's compromised, not only in the air, but in on the sand as well. Yeah. And this is going to become a major plot point, because they are in the middle of a vast desert. Yeah. So she is kind of blind out there. Also, I love that we get another character who, like... Mm- doesn't really care too much about Appa, but like slowly won over. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> He's a charming guy. He is. Uh, so back in the library, uh, Z and the gang are perusing the stacks. Aang is looking at pictures of lion turtles. So it just makes me think like, what is he looking up? Is he just like, is he like a kid who's like, show me the pictures of like <laughs> right. the weird animal books or? Yeah. And he's his response is even like, oh, this is dope. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, guys, check this out. Uh, we see Sokka is taking books and putting them into the, into his green bag. So we have a callback to the green bag. I mean, a he's, good, good purchase after all. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's apparently, I don't know that you could check things out of this library. <laughs> so putting them in the bag seems like an act of saying, I'm going to take these things. Right. Um, Katara is reading about past Avatar. She points out to Aang that in one of his past lives, he was left-handed. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, oh, I'm special. That's right. Uh, and Z is pulling loads of books from the shelves uh, to look at. So we see Sokka inspecting a scroll and he puts it in his bag. And then he walks up to a display case, uh, which has a burned fragment of parchment in it. And he reads, the darkest day in Fire Nation history. He says, it's got a date on the top, but it doesn't say anything else. So we see him get out his sword and secretly steal the fragment and put it into his bag. Uh, and he starts to run off at this point. And the others ask where he's going. He says, I want to know what happened on the Fire Nations on their darkest day. 
this could be promising. Do you think that the parchment was burned before it was put in there? Or do you think that maybe Zhao came in and tried to eliminate some knowledge that would be harmful? Um, well, we're going to see that when they... So where he's running is to where there's information about the Fire Nation. And mm-hmm. we're going to see that that area is destroyed and burnt out. I think this is an attempt to find remnants of that fire. Sure. And to preserve that Got it. That's, In that special case. Ah, okay, that's okay. my guess. Yes. Um, so, you know, they they run to the section that houses the information on the Fire Nation, but we see that it's all burned out. And Katara says, firebenders. They destroyed everything having to do with the Fire Nation. Sokka says, that's so unfair. Just when I think I'm one step ahead of the Fire Nation, it turns out they beat us here a long time ago. I need to know what happened on the darkest day. And at this point, one of the fox knowledge seekers appears and seems to want to lead them somewhere. And they all follow, mm-hmm. which I found interesting because the fox seems aware. It's there. It knows what they're doing and potentially seems to be aware of why they're doing it. Right. But the fox wants to help. That's yes. I thought the same thing because I was like these um, all the spirits we've seen so far are generally pretty neutral when it comes to mm-hmm. these things but the foxes are actually going out in the world right right and they're like they see they're seeing things for what it is and Wan Shi Tong does not exactly. he is stuck in his literal ivory tower <laughs> yes yes yeah no and and I actually I love that I love that the and this is presumably the same fox that we saw at the beginning right right and it's sort of saying like I know I'm not, it's almost like it's saying, I know I'm not supposed to help you, but let me show you something that can help you. Yeah. Right. So they, they follow after the fox. They go to a huge room that has a domed ceiling, um, like an observatory, and there's a mechanism moving the moon and the sun and the stars across the sky. And Z says, this room is a true marvel, a mechanical wonder. It's a planetarium that shows the heavens moving. And Sokka says, this is beautiful, but how is it helpful? Uh, and Katara points out um, that, there, like, there's this table mm. in there, and she points out that it has dates on it. Uh, and she says that Sokka should try entering the date from the parchment he took. And Sokka's like, shh, not in front of the fox. He's with the owl. <laughs> you know, which is, again, it's a, it's a very funny, it's a John O'Brien episode. There's, yeah. there's funny lines in it. Yeah. Uh, and Sokka turns the dials uh, to enter the date on the parchment, and we see the mechanism start moving. And Aang says, I got to hand it to you, Sokka. You picked the best mini vacation for sure. <laughs> uh, and the, this planetarium thing is super cool. Yeah. It's it's very cool. Yeah. Um, it's one of these things where we see technology. It actually reminds me of the Northern Air Temple where we see technology, but it's also got like a steampunky vibe to it. Like yep. it's, it, it's not electrical. It's all like uh, manual mechanical kind of stuff, which is, which is very I mean, cool. And this place is knowledge. It's pristine. It has some cool animals. It's got like everyone's mini vacation in one. It does. Yeah. Uh, so when the planetarium stops, the room is dark and Katara says, what happened to the sun? Sokka says, the sun is behind the moon. It's a solar eclipse. It's literally the darkest day in Fire Nation history. Now I get it. Something awful happened on that day. I don't know what, but I know why. Firebenders lose their bending during a solar eclipse. Taurus says, that makes sense. I mean, think about the lunar eclipse at the North Pole, what that did to the waterbenders. This is huge. And we see the fox kind of start to whimper. 
and Sokka throws him a treat and he runs off. And Sokka says, we've got to get this information to the Earth King at Ba Sing Se. We'll wait for the next eclipse. Then we'll invade the Fire Nation when they're totally helpless. The Fire Lord is going down. It's a good plan. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they went from no plan to, well, now no. we actually know a lot. Yes. Bossing say we know how to beat the Fire Lord. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We have a timetable, right? Like, like mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so at this, uh, Wan Chi Tong sort of slides in behind Sokka. It's actually, it's very cool because you cause it kind of close up on Sokka and you just see the background kind of go black. Mm-hmm. And then as it as it pulls out, we see that Wan Chi Tong is there and he says, mortals are so predictable and such terrible liars. You betrayed my trust. From the beginning, you intended to misuse this knowledge for evil purposes. And Sokka says, you don't understand. If anyone's evil, it's the Fire Nation. If you saw what they did to your library, or you saw what they did to your library, they're destructive and dangerous. We need this information. And Wan Chi Tong says, you think you're the first person to believe their war is justified? Countless others before you have come here seeking weapons or weakness or battle strategies. Aang says, we had no choice, please. We're just desperate to protect the people we love. And Wan Chi Tong says, and now I'm going to protect what I love. He starts flapping his wings and the whole room shakes. I'm taking back my knowledge. No one will ever abuse it again. And Katara realizes that the building is sinking and tells them to run. And Wan Chi Tong says, I'm afraid I can't allow that. You already know too much. He begins to attack them with his beak as they run away. And it's like his neck extends. He looks, he ends up looking kind of dragon-like when he's attacking them. Mm-hmm. And he's like going for the kill with his beak. Yeah. It, to me, this is one of the most interesting scenes, period. Right. Right. So did you have things that came to mind as you were thinking about this? Because I have a couple. I mm, just some thoughts on when confronted with their lie, they fall back. Sokka falls back on the Fire Nation's evil. Aang falls back on. I need to protect the people I love, mm-hmm. which feels right for why they would both do that where I, I know at the start it's like oh i don't like that ang is lying about this but when he gives that little bit of information it's like okay i can i can reconcile that with who he is do you agree yeah or does it yeah, still no, feel wrong a- abs- well it's both right right that's what i love is there's this complexity of like our characters are not immune to human nature they're not immune to sin things yeah it's like this right so Here's some of the things that I love from this scene. Mm. We see that history is much longer than us, Mm. right? I mean, because us watching this show, there is this cataclysmic event coming and it's the most important thing and everything should be pointing to this. And there's this hundred years long war and all this stuff. And when you talk to an eternal spirit, he's like, you think this is the first time there's been a big war? You think this is the first time there's been a existential threat? You think you're the first people who think you're fighting for the side of good? Yeah. So he's talking about perspective. He's also talking about time. You know, and it's just like, man, that was that was pretty great. And I think for a kid seeing this, if they could wrap their head around like, oh, all the things that seem so important to me with the perspective of time and with the perspective of eternity. Right. Those things change. Right. Now, 
now uh, Wan Chi Tong has the opposite problem, right? He can only see from the perspective of eternity. And because, as you point out, he doesn't go out into the world. He can't see from the perspective of the immediate and the now right. and the personal. Right. You know, so we have that tension. Other things that I thought about. Um, thinking about this as as a image of human sin, right? Mm-hmm. That That, you know that we take this beautiful thing and we corrupt it, right? We're told you can you can come here, you can peruse, you can take in all of the knowledge to better yourself. The one thing I ask is that you don't, you know, use this for these evil purposes, yeah. right? To me, and you even described how this is this perfect location for all of them. It has something, it has what, what all of them want, right? There is this weird version of like, this is the Garden of Eden, yeah, right? And there, there is the one temptation about sin, right? And you think about the Garden of Eden, the sin is eating of the tree of knowledge. Yeah. And right? then when you do, you're cast out. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And the, and the gates are closed to the garden, right? Right. And it's like, so I thought about that as like, ooh, this is such, this is such cool imagery there. The other thing that I thought about, and this is a little trickier, mm. is, um, and, and anybody who's like a real classic scholar will know that this doesn't work really well. But I was thinking about Prometheus. Okay. Um, so Prometheus in, in ancient Greek mythology is the – he's a he's a god, um, but he's like a trickster god. And he is important because he is – he's one who steals the knowledge of fire mm. from the gods and brings it to humans. Okay. Right? And he is the sort of sort. He's looked at as the source for like human knowledge, like bringing knowledge to humans, human knowledge, human science, things like this. Um, and uh, and then and you know and, and knowledge comes with lots of um, good and bad, right? Right? You know. So so I was thinking about that, and you know I was thinking about Sokka also as like the trickster, right? Like he's <laughs> playing these tricks, he's lying, right? Yeah. Um, Again, this is this is totally stretched. This is not a version of Prometheus, but there are interesting things like so. Uh, part of Prometheus's punishment is that he is tied to this rock, and eternally his liver is pecked out by an eagle. Like oh, so we have this bird pecking at them, and it's so there is this sort of thing about knowledge, you know, Prometheus. Like so, there's maybe loosely something there, but like this is why this episode I loved is like oh, they're like. They're playing with some interesting pieces yeah. here uh, that that I just I just find uh, and find really disturbing. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what's great about this particular episode is like it's it is dark and disturbing in in lots of ways. Mm-hmm. All right, so um, so he's beginning to attack them. So we from here we cut to outside the library and we see Toph and Appa sitting together, and the ground starts to shake. Now, what's n- interesting is. Appa notices the ground shaking before Toph. He might even his sounds might have even like set her to realize it is because she's because at first she's like, oh, I told you I didn't want to cuddle. And he's like, no, like, do you (laughs) notice what's happening? Right. So Toph realizes eventually that the library is sinking. So she's trying to use her earthbending powers to keep it above the sand line. But it's difficult with the sandy footing. So we see her earthbend a patch of the sand to kind of create more solid ground to, that she can stand on and then, you know, works to hold the li- up the library tower. Right. Because if the tower goes under, they're just stuck there. Yeah. She, like, brings up this harder sand around her ankles to, like, keep her firm in her place. Yes. Um, so then inside the library, 
Uh, we see that the rooms are filling with sand and the gang is running from Wan Chi Tong as the library is being destroyed. And from here on out, it's very Indiana Jonesy. Like, I, there's yes. just a lot of like running through while the yes. world's collapsing around you or and like how are we going to get out? Aladdin and the Cave of Wonders, mm-hmm. like everything's being destroyed. And yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we see uh, Z try to reason with the, with the spirit. He says, great knowledge, spirit. I beg you, do not destroy your vast collection of priceless tomes. <laughs> and we see Aang airbend to save Z before being killed by the spirit. Uh, and Aang says, we've got to get back to the surface. But Sokka stops them and says, but we still don't know when the next eclipse is going to happen. If we leave this place, we'll never get that information. Aang, come with me to the planetarium. I need cover. Katara, take Momo and get out of here. Right, so so this is uh, this is Sokka, the knowledge seeker, also being Sokka the Brave, saying like like if we we need this information, you know, and 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 I, what's also interesting, he's like Ang, I want you to come with me because I need help. Right. Yeah. And also, then it makes Ang complicit in the theft mm-hmm. too. It does. Right. So we see Wan Chi Tong uh, crashes in and starts chasing Katara and Momo and Z, while Ang and Sokka slip away. We see Z hide in the stacks and start. Uh, he, he and he starts looking at a book, uh, and Wan Chi Tong is about to pounce on Katara. Uh, so then we cut back outside where Toph is using all she has to hold up the library, and in the distance we th- see three Sandbender skiffs approach, and they start to circle Appa. Toph can't tell what or who they are. So again, here we're seeing Toph really wrestling with. The fact that she's out of an element where she can really sense much. So in a sense, she's so unbelievably vulnerable. Appa's so unbelievably vulnerable at this point, too. Mm-hmm. Back inside, uh, Aang and Sokka uh, run to reach the planetarium. And there's this great shot where they're running across the bridge. and we and it's But it's from far away. And it's very much like in Fellowship of the Ring when they're in the Mines of Moria. Yeah. Because you see this vast space and our characters are these tiny specks on the screen. And it's just, it just it's a great shot of like... Here is how big this underground space mm-hmm. is. So there's there's a, a lot of uh, Moria feels to it. Um, <clears throat> so they get they finally reach the planetarium, uh, and Sokka says, "If this calendar can tell us about eclipses in the past, maybe it can project when the next one will be." Ang says, "You can't possibly check every single date." And Sokka says, "We don't have to. We just need to check every date before Sozin's comet arrives, because after that, well." Try not to think about after that, which is <laughs> a pretty dark thought, too. He's like, well, if there's not an eclipse, if an eclipse doesn't come up, and again, solar eclipses don't happen that often. If it doesn't come up before the end of summer, um, let's we, we probably don't have a plan then. Yeah. Um, and uh, we see this great montage of them testing out dates, and we finally get an eclipse. And Sokka says, it's just a few months away. We see him write down the date and then pronounce, now let's get to Ba Sing Se. Back outside, the sandbenders have surrounded Appa. They've thrown ropes over and around him. He tries to pull them away, but the, they sandbend around their feet, giving them solid footing. Toph tries to, th- tries to threaten them and says, uh, don't make me put this down. She turns to try to confront them, but the library starts rapidly sinking. So she turns back to hold up the library, and the sandbenders ride away on their skiffs with Appa. She blindly shoots sand at them, but to no avail. Then she commits to holding up the library and just declares, I'm sorry, Appa. And 
I loved this scene because this is, I mean, this is a, uh, a classic storytelling thing where you take this very powerful person and you put them in a spot where they need to make an impossible choice. Yeah. I have my friends in here. And if I don't do this job, then yeah. it's all over. But I also have my friend right here. And I, so like, it's, it, it, you know, you're forced to have to save one. And I think it's bold because it seems like in those kind of movies or superhero scenarios, somehow they get both. Somehow right. everything is okay in the end. But here it's like, no, Appa, you see him being dragged away. Like right. he, he's not even on his feet. Like they're just pulling him. Yep. Yep. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's storytelling wise. It's great. Mm-hmm. So then we go back to the library. Katara and Momo are running from Wanchi Tong uh, and heading for the exit. They hide behind a bookshelf, but Momo's tail is sticking out. And Wanchi Tong says, at least I'll have one specimen to add to my collection. They run before he can strike. This reminded me of the scene in Jurassic Park where they're in mm-hmm. like the, I don't even remember what space. It's like a in. lab, right? Yeah. And they're like hiding in the 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 raptors are like going around just like Wan Tong is going through the stacks and it's like yes. they're hiding and they know like, well, we can't hide forever either. They make it feel so claustrophobic. Absolutely. Uh, Katara realizes that she, at this point that she just has to stand her ground. Like they can't just keep running. That's just not going to work. So she prepares to use her waterbending and Wan Tong says, your waterbending won't do you much good here. I've studied Northern water style, Southern water style, even foggy swamp style. I love the foggy swamp callback. <laughs> Me too. Um, and he prepares to strike. Then up above, we see Aang circling on his glider with Sokka. And Sokka jumps down and slams a big book on Wan Chi Tong's head, knocking him out. And he says, that's called Sokka style. Learn it. It reminds me of the in the Blind Bandit when he's like, water tribe. Yes. Like, uh, it's sort of like a tag team situation where he got tagged in and came off the top rope and uh, and took took out Wan Chi Tung. So they start to climb up the tower to escape. Uh, but Sokka sees the professor sitting and reading and calls out to him. And Z says, I'm not leaving. I can't. I spent too long trying to find this place. There's not another collection of knowledge like this on Earth. I could spend an eternity here. So they start to climb, but Wan Chi Tong grabs the rope and they fall off. Aang flies by and catches them. Then they fly up and out of the windows of the tower. Just as they exit the window, Toph lets the library sink into the sand. So we see Katara and Sokka celebrate. We got it. There's a solar eclipse coming. The Fire Nation's in trouble now. And we see Aang walk up to Toph, who's sitting with her head in her hands, and asks, where's Appa? Toph just shakes her head. She doesn't say a word. And we see a tear run down Aang's face as he realizes that Appa's gone. And we cut to the end of the episode. So. That's a good episode. That's a good episode. Everything that you have been thinking about, like bold moves by the writers, Mm -hmm. like came true in this episode where you get somebody who disappears from the group. Like, they lose someone, and then there's no resolution. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, now what? Exactly, exactly. And they seem to be stuck in the middle of nowhere. Yes. With, I mean, because it's not just a member of their group is gone. The member of their group that's gone is Appa, is the Millennium Appa, right? So it's like, now that they have, I mean, everything would have been great, because now they have a goal. Go to Ba Sing Se. That's easy, but we can't anymore, Mm -hmm. because logistically, 
It's just a bunch of us in the sand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So as we talked a lot already. As you think about this episode, what are big themes, ideas, observations you have? I like that they kept the professor in the whole... I like the professor's story a lot because I don't think that they needed to really have him be in there as much as he was. But I felt it was a really interesting way to combat some of the pessimism of like of Wan Chi Tong of sin right of like mm-hmm. human nature because here we actually have like a pure individual who's like no no no, I want to stay here I will face death for it I just want to learn for the sake of learning yeah and I I wonder too because they leave you assuming like he'll either be like I don't know, eaten by eaten by the owl or like covered in sand, but maybe not. Yeah, I mean, like, may- maybe not. Maybe the whole library just goes underground, and maybe Wan Chi Tong stays as the specimen of humanity, and maybe he's our best representative to Wan Chi Tong to say like there actually are people who aren't thinking about knowledge as this instrumental thing to uh, wield power over someone. Right. I like that the whole time. When Sokka is, I mean, the whole episode, you can see the wheels turning and his, the the choices he makes that are bad, mm-hmm. <laughs> for lack of a better word, like just bad or kind of evil choices. And the professor is so pure that he like doesn't even notice it, right? Yeah. Like he's walking through each of the rooms with them, but he can't even, he can't even see like the sin that's there because yeah. he's like so, he's so absorbed and just everything around him i don't it's super interesting yeah i also uh as we're going forward i think about like what's in Sokka's bag because we saw him just grab stuff and throw it in there we know he has that the scroll that the or the fragment of parchment but he has other things too that he took what did he manage to take from the library yeah i'd love i mean i have a feeling they seem to be careful about what they're doing that that i have a feeling we're gonna learn more about that at least Mm -hmm. that's my hope uh, observation I had, this is Avatar leveling up as a show. Yeah. Where they, uh, they decided we're actually not going to resolve this. Mm-hmm. You know, this is, this is not, uh, going to have a, re- a resolution within the episode, which means then this gives us energy to push us forward, right? That we have this propulsion towards bossing. Say we know they have to go there. We know they have to find Appa, right? That there right. is just all of this, this show that, in a good way, didn't have forward energy exactly this season, now has right. the most forward energy. Mm-hmm. And, and they, it turned like that. And uh, that choice that you said that Toph had, the classic choice of do you save like the whole thing or do you save your friend next to you? It's like that that choice doesn't go away because now Aang has to kind of decide, mm-hmm. right? And like, because he, I mean, he's the avatar, so he needs to get to bossing say ASAP, but he also has his literal best friend, his tie to his whole life, mm-hmm. like his own, truly his only family. And he, he, so, so he's now stuck in like, which way do I go? Like, I can't divide myself and do both of those things. Right. 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 Well, and it's interesting because, um, I, I think I talked about this waiting for this, for the empire strikes back. Well, I think I talked about this in season one, right. Where Luke has to choose, do I stay and train because mm-hmm. I need to prepare to face the emperor or do I go save my friends mm-hmm. in Cloud City? He is not. That is now the choice that we have here, right? Is I can. He's literally with his Yodas, right? He's literally, literally with his teachers, and he needs to train and he needs to do the things to deal with the bigger mission. But his friends are in peril, right? His friend is in peril, right? So it's so like 
they have now created the that that empire dilemma, which is great, <laughs> which, which is is very exciting. Um, the other thing I love about the the Toph Appa situation mm. is up until this point, Toph has been um this independent actor that's with the Aang gang, right? Yep. But she's always been, you know, I carry my own weight. I do my thing. I do it my way. And I don't really want to hear about your way because, hey, you're lucky to have me here. Right. So it's like she she's part of the group but isn't invested in that way. With Appa gone and the role, whether it's her fault or not, with Appa gone and the role she played in it, she now has real skin in the game. It's like, right. like she's... She now has a responsibility to Appa right. and to the rest of the gang because this, again, whether it's her fault or not, it happened on her watch, mm-hmm. you know? So, so like, now I feel like she is more deeply connected to that group than she had been previously. Right. And the strong, the strong personality she has can sometimes have an edge to it, but it seemed like at the end, especially when she she says, sadly, kind of almost to herself, I'm sorry, Appa, mm-hmm. like, that's a soft version of her that we don't ever see, really. Except for in the last scene where when, when Aang comes up to her, she doesn't even say a word and just shakes her head. Like, right. Wow. I was, I was gutted by that. Like that was, that was really tough. Um, other things I have in my notes here, things we talked about, um, that our, our heroes are not immune to human sin. Loved thinking about that. Mm-hmm. Toph dealing with her limitations. Um, I felt sad for Wan Chi Tong. Yeah. It's interesting because he's attacking them. So like he's like the, the, big bad boss in this episode right that they have to deal with but like he has this aspirational thing for human beings like he wants to do this thing for human beings and we have failed him yeah like like there there, there's a there's just a and then i think about the sound of his voice and that echoey voice like it is a sad voice from the very beginning and i do feel i mean i also wrote in my notes the theme of this episode could be this is why we can't have nice things, right? <laughs> it's like this is because this is what human nature does to anything. It turns it into power. It turns it into this instrument, this cudgel that we wield instead of, you know, this this beautiful thing, right? So this is also this meditation on knowledge and humanity and history and perspective. And it's yeah. just like this is a it's very deep. And, I, and And again, the first time I watched it, I knew those things were there, but I didn't feel it in the same way. Mm-hmm. When I watched it to do my notes, I was just like, "I there is a deep sadness to this episode in that way. And not about Appa. I mean, there's the Appa sadness at the end, but there's just this deep sadness to say, there is this possibility. Mm. You know, what if, what if there had been this embrace of knowledge in a different kind of way? Yeah. Could that, I mean, it's like the closing of a door to one potential thing, you know, yeah. and maybe that's a, uh, <clears throat> maybe uh, Wan Chi Tong is a fool yeah. for, for, for attempting this, but it's such a noble thing, right? And I think about as teachers, as college professors, right? You think about our students and it's like, you, how much do we feel like Wan Chi Tong? It's like, you know, students think about their college education, especially as like, I am training for this job and this job is going to give me uh, an income, this income is going to give me uh, power. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they're not going to use those words, but that's what we're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. Power, influence, comfort, these things. And like, I'm sitting here and I, it's like, I, I feel like Wan Chi Tong sometimes. It's yeah. like, I, I don't want education to be just this instrument. I want it to be this thing 
that is soul craft and that that we use to improve ourselves and build who we are. Yeah. So so I feel I feel for Wan Chi Tong even though he's trying to <laughs> peck out the livers of our of our heroes. I I would agree with that. But I would say I think I think I value the foxes better. I think that they even they're, though it's they're, not they're, as pure. They're a middle ground, sure. Right. I think that I think that you I don't know. I think I maybe lean towards the he's a fool. Because yeah. I think it's too lofty. It's too, um, man, I don't know. I guess the other thing that makes me feel sad is that because he ha- he is this eternal spirit, and this library, I think, has been in existence for a long time. Right. And was once presumably above ground, and he slowly receded from um, from human beings. Probably every time he gets burned, he it sinks a little yeah. bit more. Right, that that there is this sense of like, how many scars does he have sure. from from human beings who he came to this world to try to educate and support? Like, like it, it, it like I, I, I feel for this character in a kind of way. Right. Yeah. I mean, and, and even, I mean, he says he's all knowing. I don't. I mean, I don't think right. that he is. But there's hubris in that, for right? Sure. But like the the idea that like, well, he knows how they're going to act because it's ha- right. Like you mm-hmm. said, he's scarred from it. He's been burned by it so many times that like he can see what saw. He's mm-hmm. seen that same face over and over and over again. So it's like, yeah, he almost he is all knowing because he hasn't been proved wrong yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you know, and I find it interesting in light of all this that he lets them into the library, right. all the same. So I actually, which also again warms my heart because. I think it's both. I think he is a fool and I think he, I think he's a noble fool, you mm. know? And I think like that, I love it. I, <laughs> he's, he is a favorite character of mine in ah. a kind of way. Like I really, I, I, there, I love the, how this builds out the mythology within, within, I mean, I was trying to force these other, you know, religious stories onto this, but it's like, but this is its own story. Yeah. I don't know that this is a one-to-one comparison. This isn't the Garden of Eden. This isn't Prometheus, but it's this other thing. And it's really, I really kind of love it. And it's like, you know, maybe we just need to start writing and reading books about Avatar mythology. And this is when the show's over. I'm sure this stuff exists and I can go read it. Cause like, cause this, like, I, not not exactly the theology of Avatar, but the the mythology, oh. the mythos of Avatar would be fascinating. Yeah, thinking about these different spirits and um, whenever we've gotten really into the spirit stuff, usually that's the stuff I don't like because it feels like Deus Ex Machina stuff. But like this feels, I love it. It's mm-hmm. so interesting to me, mm-hmm. and I love the like you keep using the word neutral. I love the idea that that the spirits t- t- have this tendency to be neutral because they have this perspective of eternity yeah wow well annie this is such a good episode i know do you think uh we can continue it uh a little bit more Ooh, i think we should we have an interview um some more listeners to the show we're really excited to talk with them and they wanted to come on the show together yeah um so this is megan swadner and brian hansen uh, who Megan contacted us and said that they've uh, together really loved, uh, er, not loved, enjoyed listening to, I'm not going to project <laughs> They've <that> adored, <laughs> they've worshipped yes. us. <laughs> no, that, that they've enjoyed listening to Avatar with Academics and they wanted to be on an episode. So I, I asked her, is there a particular episode? And they jumped on the, on the idea of being on the library. So, uh, so let's cut to the interview uh, with them. Well, welcome to our guests today, uh, Megan Swadener and Brian Hansen. Hi, guys. Hi. 
Thank you so much for uh, for for joining us. We're always excited when uh, anybody listens to this podcast. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I think this is a project that Annie and I do for ourselves. And if anybody else finds it, we think that's that's uh, that's really great. So I want to start with your uh, history with Avatar: The Last Airbender because um, you know I presume you you have different histories with the show. Who is the first yes. person to to see this? I believe I did. I just asked him for a refresher before we came on here. I was like, have you watched it before we got together? And he did. Um, but I grew up watching the show and a lot of other animes. <laughs> I watched it a little bit as it came out, um, just kind of bits and pieces here and there. But actually, like, first first year of college slash end of high school, um, kind of a hodgepodge group of friends all started, we all started watching the show. We started hanging out a bunch the summer before college and then kind of throughout our first year or two in college. And we watched, I think the whole series throughout that year, year and a half. Mm-hmm. When it came back to Netflix, it, uh, yeah, we watched the whole thing. And oh yeah. We binged maybe, that right away. <laughs> well, I mean, it took us maybe two months. So when you, when you first watched this, you said you sort of watched it when it came out, were you watching it like on Nickelodeon or were you, were yeah. you streaming yeah. it at that point? So, okay. So I have a question cause I don't know this. Um, when this was originally on Nickelodeon, did like an episode come out a week? Was it a daily thing? How how was this delivered? Were you able to watch it um, in sequence or did it kind of come out of order because you were just sort of catching episodes when they were on? I believe it went in sequence as far as when I saw it, but I always watched it at a friend's house. So I didn't always catch every single time. So I don't know what was before or after it, but um, we definitely tried to catch that every single week. Yeah, I think I caught most of the big things, but I definitely didn't watch all of the episodes that was coming out. Like I would always just come come by chance into it and mm-hmm. always really enjoy when I watch it. And I was like, oh man, I, I like that show so much, but it's just that one episode every, I don't know, week, twice a week. I don't, I don't quite remember, but I always really enjoyed it. Because it seems like a really ambitious show in terms of it really is, especially now that we're in the back half of season two, it's mm-hmm. heavily serialized. Like, episode leads to episode leads to episode and you know when i think about uh now i'm i am considerably older than everybody else in this interview but when i think about shows that i watched as a kid it sort of was kind of accidentally you encountered things so it's 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 actually this feels like it was built for streaming even though it came out really before that was that was a thing yeah and it's just i feel like it's built so well and wrote uh, written so well where it can just it's it's good as, as a kid and even now as an adult like i feel like any age can enjoy it and watch it it's just got such good content in it well yeah because as a kid i, I mostly watch it because i'm like oh cool cool action and like fun characters and now i still like that but it's like the deeper story and bigger themes are are really cool that's why one reason why i love listening to your guys podcast mm-hmm. yeah he introduced me to the podcast so I have to ask Brian, how did you find the podcast? So I actually go to church with Chris Moore. Oh, okay. Yeah. So when when ESP first came out in like twenty early twenty sixteen, maybe end of twenty fifteen, like preceding the twenty sixteen election, I listened to to the show a little bit then, and then as you guys kept coming out with new things, I've kind of watched every or listened to every every show a little bit. Oh wow, that's that's fantastic. Well. Mm-hmm. Uh, there will at some point be a Chris Moore episode of Avatar with Academics. We've oh, I was talking with him oh, today. 
about that. So oh. yeah, right. we're going to, we're going to wait till we get into season three. Cause I really want to talk about the politics of avatar and mm -hmm. I, I'm guessing yeah. now I haven't seen, uh, you know, I haven't seen any further than we are. Um, but I have a feeling kind of like with the hunger games that when you get to, to season three, you're going to get, you're going to have a full political picture of, of this world. So I want to have a political scientist on to, uh, to talk a little bit about that. That's awesome. So you mentioned, um, as, the kind of things that drew you to this show as a kid, as a, as an adult now revisiting it, uh, how do you see it differently? How does it, how does it come across to you differently? Well, for sure. The humor, I didn't catch half of that when I was a kid. Yeah. It's also so much more of a cohesive story. Mm -hmm. um, Cause I mean, even when I watched it pre or like, like I said, with, with friends kind of end of high school, early college was still mostly just cause it's like a, it's a fun, entertaining show. But now just like seeing the story and the development of all the characters, really, no character really is that stagnant throughout besides Zhao, who is gone end of season one. Right. I feel like something that a lot of people in and out of our age range connect to as well, because at some point or another, they've seen, if not part of it, the whole thing. And mm -hmm. it, it's it's just it's loved by everybody. It's it's just so diverse. And I love. It. Yeah, I have to say, I haven't come across anyone yet who has said oh yeah i started watching that and just wasn't into it i feel like everybody right. who if you start it you just you get drawn in and it, it mm -hmm. it's also interesting because it's not as much as we try to draw parallels to like oh it's sort of like this book or this movie like it's also entirely unique like i don't mm -hmm. uh i there's nothing like it that i and i will say i i haven't watched um, I was going to say much anime. I haven't watched any anime, so so maybe it actually is like things like that. But that's not a world that I, I have ever really explored. But it it seems it seems unique to other even kinds of stories like this, uh, and I think that is uh, that's something that definitely draws me in. Yeah, mm -hmm. especially because it involves their whole world. Like you could you could kind of say like, oh, it's like Harry Potter when they're hunting the Horcruxes. Like the few teenagers that are that have powers kind of roaming around trying to save the world, but you don't see the rest of the world really in Harry Potter. You just see them and their little part they play. Mm -hmm. But when we were rewatching this episode, we were trying to nitpick it apart a little bit. And <laughs> um, just because you see it so many times, but um, yeah, because it is so much of its own content and things like that. But when we were rewatching the calendar that they use in the library, um, actually has the zodiac signs on it, and I was like, "Wait, Chinese Brian, zodiac. you have to pause it." So I was just like, "Good, we got information to share on the podcast." <laughs> well, that's super cool. Let's dive into the library because you you guys picked this episode in particular, and um, I mean, this is one that is is one of the the most highly rated episodes uh, when you look at lists online of like the the best episodes of of this series. Um, and I have to say, I was nervous because I always get nervous whenever there's something that's beloved. And it's like, well, what if I don't like it? But I loved it. I thought this was amazing. <laughs> what about, uh, talk to me about the library. Why, why, uh, why did you pick this episode? Yeah, I guess we kind of both, both picked it, but maybe it was my, my preference first. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, one, it was such a memorable episode because episode, going into it, I had remembered it from back in the day, 10, 10 years ago. Wow, it sounded old. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it's so memorable. It's like such a cool, cool area and they see and interact with a spirit. But also I really like how going into the episode, they know they have they have some kind of time on there. Like, okay, before the comet, 
But then in this episode, they find like the, the date of the eclipse. And they're like, okay, this is now our target date. It kind of shifts everything, compresses, and really builds builds the show's tension and intensity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely a pivotal point. But I feel like you get to see um, just more sides of the character, and especially with Toph. Um, <laughs> I feel like uh, her humor changes a bit in in this episode as well. And and she's more vocal with the group in that. And um, I know you guys have seen the following episode, but those two in tandem just pair so well. So Mm -hmm. it's, yeah, I can't miss it. (laughs) Yeah. I also love with Toph that we get to see her limitations a little bit because this, this (laughs) show is very fond of showing you, this is about as powerful as somebody can be with this yeah. set of powers, whether it's Aang in season one or Toph. And then you realize, oh, but there are things there are things that can limit them. And that that's always exciting to me to see this person who could be overpower overpowering all of a sudden get trapped. And and, and she gets trapped in this like impossible choice, you know, at the end. And yeah. I think that's a that's a really cool thing. So uh, as fans of Avatar the Last Airbender, if you were given a day in that library what would you spend your time wanting to read about? What would you want to uh, investigate? Uh, I think it's pretty easy for me. I would, I would want to learn about the the air nomads because there's supposedly like four of them. It seems like there's one central fire nation. There's kind of one central um, earth kingdom with, with some other like cities and villages around. And then there's North pole, South pole. We don't really learn anything in Avatar the last airbender about the, the air nomads and what they're for. Mm-hmm. They call them temples. Yeah, what the four temples were were like, what how they were different, how they were the same. I think I'd want to look into uh, the spirit world because at this point in the series, there's you know different characters and episodes where things are brought up, but we don't really have a good understanding of it in this series. They develop it, they develop it a lot later, um, and even like when they move on to like. Um, avatar Korra, but for this like we hardly know anything so that would be really fun yeah that definitely seems like it like an aspect of the world uh, actually both of the things you picked are things that are kind of on my list of um because also we only have ang as our as our really entry point into the the world of the air nomads and he had 10 years with them so it's not like mm-hmm. we really he doesn't even have a full picture of what his culture yeah. is well, you know yeah and speaking of which <laughs> Right near the beginning of the episode, like the the soup or whatever gets spilled, and he's just like, "Oh, no worry, I'll clean up. I clean up easy." And just airbends right in front of a whole bunch of people. Like, <laughs> yes, they're in the air kingdom, I guess. So maybe he's not, but like, he's not subtle whatsoever. No, no, I, I and then the the spirit world is something that that I know um, Annie and I have talked a lot about. Just I feel like every time we get a snapshot of it, it sort of points to like I would love to read. This is gonna. This is a, I would love to read a theology textbook in that <laughs> library. Like, 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 where's the book that really lays out the spirit world and the interconnections with the spirit world? I also would love to know how old this world is. You know, yeah. like, 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 you know. So if we think about, you know, if we think about human history, right? We can go back about five thousand years or so. You know, we're, you know, before we get to kind of prehistory history. Like, like, how far back does this? does this uh, avatar cycle go where it's recorded history? Cause we see in the Southern air temple, there's a whole lot of avatar statues there. And that, that thing seems to go mm-hmm. up forever. With, so like each one of those, if you figure an avatar lives, you know, even 70 years, like 
you start adding that up, there's a lot of centuries. Like, I just would love to know how rich that that history is, you know, as we're kind of looking through that. Yeah, I kind of like the mystery of that. I was a little bit disappointed when they answered some of those questions mm. in Legend of Korra, um, because I'd built it up in my head what I thought it would be, <laughs> but it was still really well done. Mm -hmm. One thing in the library that really kind of confused me was the, the, the knowledge seekers, like those foxes, because mm. like, are they worldly animals? Are they spirit animals? But like, they're certainly know. not on, on par with the owl of how, how like important he, who knows, he 10, is. Yeah. Something. yeah. Yeah. They, they, they seem like maybe they're some sort of like lesser spirit because I feels, it seems like from the stories we hear, they have sort of always, always been with, um, Wanchi tongue. So yeah. like, so, so I presume they're some sort of less powerful spirit or spirits in service of the great spirit of knowledge uh, or something, but they also, it's interesting, um, are in the same way Wan Chi Tong is neutral to the the time period of Aang and Katara, right? Mm -hmm. He has this this longer um, sweep of history. Uh, as Annie points out, the the foxes are the ones who are going out into the world, so they're more aware of what's actually happening now in the world. So we see them kind of wanting to help Sokka and mm -hmm. Aang and Katara. Yeah figure out what they the want to know. So they're, they're, yeah. they're not necessarily working entirely in concert with Wan Chi Tung. So I, I found that really mm -hmm. interesting. Yeah. It was also interesting how, um, Thal, I don't, I don't exactly remember how to pronounce his name, how he <laughs> understands that the, the fire nation like came here to learn information to then destroy mm -hmm. the world. And then doesn't realize that Aang is trying to kind of, win the war but for the sake of the world mm -hmm. and like how this like all-knowing being doesn't doesn't quite understand um the value that the avatar is trying to bring to the world and just sees them sees them as humans trying to get on the mm -hmm. get the edge on other humans yeah i think it comes down to your interpretation or thoughts about how long he has been on this project because mm -hmm my read is that he has been doing this for potentially thousands of years and, and any, and if, and if you're in existence, I mean that, that you're functionally eternal then. Right. Yeah. So then anything that's sort of like, okay, so now the fire nation's a big threat. It's like, but come back in 500 years and, and who's going to be the big threat then. Right. So he sort of, he has this kind of detachment, because he's almost seeing things from the perspective of eternity, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and I find those th those are the the things that I think are so fascinating that he says is, you know, Aang and 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 our heroes are kind of living in, understandably, this existential crisis of the now, and he mm -hmm. is, you know, neutral to that. He's like, well, yes, mm -hmm. that happens, but this this also happens, and this also happens, and this is maybe this far bigger cycle than than you know even we can see in this show, you know, cause we yeah. don't yeah. have that kind of Yeah. He's not objectively wrong, but it just doesn't, he just doesn't show that he knows about Aang and what he, his mission yeah. is. I also wonder how many times he sunk that library or, or partially sunk it. Cause we, yeah. by the time we get to the end, we just see that tower. Right. But how many times has he been burned by humanity? I mean, Zhao is just the most recent, but maybe Zhao is the 1000th right. person to come in right. and, and mystery mm -hmm. knowledge. Yeah, he literally attacked the spirit world, so that would probably be a that'd be a great enough reason mm -hmm. right there to sink the library. I don't know. 
That's or, or why he even kept that little bit of it standing. Yeah. <laughs> hope. Yeah. That's a big theme in the show, right? Is this idea <laughs> of, of, of hope. And, and I also wonder, so the library is now under the sand, mm-hmm. but does it cease to exist? Like did, did he take that back to the spirit world or is this, is he still wandering around that library under the sand? I don't yeah. know. Amazing that Toph can just feel that even because she has trouble on the sand, mm-hmm. but she can still tell like, no, I can like see all of this. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the end of this episode too. And they have to end it with Appa. <laughs> <laughs> Heartbreaking. It's heart-wrenching. So uh, one of the questions we always love to talk with people about is um, if you were living in this, in the world of Avatar, uh, First off, which which powers would you want to have? Would you want to what kind of bender would you want to be? I'd want to be an airbender. Okay, and why is that? They're really the only only of the four that like can use their. I mean, yes, there's a lot of utility for other powers, but like theirs is so mobility focused, and like oh, sure. you can like hop around and nearly fly, and can kind of like float and just be so be so agile and kind of be wherever he wants. <laughs> I really like that. Yeah, it I mean, seems like it seems like it would be very fun. Yeah, to have those powers. Yeah. yeah. Gosh, I don't know. I'd be happy with any of them. Um, I think first choice would be water. I sometimes wonder, like, at, like where the fire, all the elements they have, like they can use the things around them, but fire just comes from inside them. So it just kind of confuses me sometimes. The fire within you. Within you, right? <laughs> um, I'd have to say water. Is just feel like there's so much you can do with that, especially with the, the healing aspect. And I don't remember how far along Katara is. And, and well, she's she's a master, right? At this yep, point. yep, she's a master. She's a. We know a little bit about her having a healing gift. We've seen yeah. that at the end of season one. Um, and I I I've been tipped off that there's more to come with what waterbenders are capable of. I don't know what that is, but everybody's like, oh, wait, I can't tell you that. So I know that there's like another shoe to drop in the world of Well, I remember somebody let it slip once. Hopefully it didn't stick in your head. Right. <laughs> oh, it did. It did. I've just, I just tell myself it didn't. I don't know what those words mean though. I know what they said, but yeah. I don't, I don't know what that, um, what that means. Um, how about the cultures of this world? Is there a culture mm-hmm. you would, uh, you would most want to, if you had to spend a, let's say spend two years living in one of these uh, with one of these groups. Gosh, normally I would say earth kingdom, but more like, why um, why is that normal? Well, normally, but because like how, what we learn about bossing say like Mm. that, that sort of, have you guys learned about that? I'm sorry if I'm asking. Probably not. Oh, uh, we're, we're, we're on our way there, but, but not there yet. Okay. I don't want to say anything. Um, well, you can probably pick where in said kingdom you could go. More like the camps, because the culture is just they're they're so eager to bring people to them. It's just like this community atmosphere rather than this more. Um, I don't know. Everyone's just connected, and I, I love that. <laughs> yeah, and it's interesting. I wonder how much of that is because they really are. I mean, either they're an occupied, I mean, because p- parts of the Earth Kingdom are occupied by the Fire Nation, and then, or there are people who, even if they're not occupied, they're definitely under the pressure and stress of this war that they seem, they seem like that unites them and pulls them together. But we get this little picture in um, 
in Avatar Day of like a different era mm-hmm. of you know hundreds of years ago that the Earth Kingdom was this mm-hmm. you know this imperial force with Chin the Great. Mm-hmm. So like I, I love as a historian, I love moments like that where I get to see like oh there's there's like a whole other way we could view these kingdoms depending on when you know when we are. So right. in the in the era of Chin the Great, I wonder like was the fire nation an oppressed group and this is you know and there and this is cyclical in that way too um i find that really really fascinating but definitely in the time that we're in there is something about the earth kingdom also like sort of pulling together and like serving each other and because they're all sort of refugees at least increasingly the people mm-hmm. we're seeing are are displaced people or soon to be displaced mm-hmm. how about you brian so i kind of want to say uh air kingdom again because it does seem fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, like really what we see is flashbacks of Aang there. And granted he, he kind of is a little bit of a goof off and a rule rule bender. Um, a rule bender. <laughs> <laughs> but he, yeah, he seems to spark so much fun and joy and the others seem to go along with it. And it seems to be like, that's okay. Um, but I'd also don't know how disciplined they have to be with the, the monk left. Cause Gyatsu seems to have like that, that air of joy in him. Yeah, but he yeah. seemed to be the only but one. Exactly. So I don't know if that would be really the place I'd want to be. Um, you'd be probably more like Aang in that atmosphere where you'd want to be the rebellious one yeah. rather than the one actually yeah. adhering to like some of the culture or religious restrictions. Yeah, but they did seem to have very cool games. They did, well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting to think about sort of the, because we don't get to see the monks very well, um, like the, the kind of detachment that supposedly they have as monks, I think in, um, in the bitter work episode, uh, Iroh sort of lays out that that's sort of the secret of the airbenders is that they, they do have this kind of detachment to the things of this world. So, um, yeah. a- Aang is, um, we get a mixed bag of that. Cause I think there are moments when he, when he lives that out and there are moments when he seems actually very attached to the people and things mm-hmm. around him, especially, I guess the, the people and other living things around him, he has an attachment yeah. to, even, even if not maybe to the material, uh, material world kinds of things. When we, when we watch these episodes, I like pointing out different voice actors or just actors mm-hmm. in general mm-hmm. that, um, and one that I was so excited about in the library was the one that plays the owl. Um, what, what was H- Hector Eliz- Elizondo? I Elizondo? Think, yeah, something I like think that. so. But he plays uh, the bodyguard in princess diaries and i was just like that's him i was so excited <laughs> and then um with iroh i think they actually have someone come in later and um because the first actor um sadly passed away but then so it was weird at some point in the season to have another actor um take over that voice because i could not tell the difference whatsoever and i feel like that's such a hard voice to nail and do well and not have it be noticeable that it's different. Yeah, I think that's to me that's the most important voice. It's the one that stands out to me the most, and it's the one mm-hmm. when we watched the uh, the Avatar movie. It was the character that upset. Even though there's plenty of characters that can upset you, it's the one that upset me the most because I think he is so much at the core of some elements, maybe of the of the wisdom of the uh, of the show. Like he's he's mm-hmm. there to. I mean, he, I mean, he really is. He really is a teacher to Zuko. I love the the one scene we've had with him in Toph. I, mm-hmm. I I 
await the days when we're like when we see Iro and Aang have a conversation. I just assume yeah. that's going to happen at some point, and that will be such a gift to sort of see that. Oh, I so wish we could see more of Iroh's story in general. I wish that was even like a, a tag off of the side, even for an episode or a little mini series of its mm -hmm. own, because I feel like the whole Avatar, Avatar fandom would just freak out. <laughs> would you would you be interested in seeing um even if like you said, even if it was like a short uh a short series on because this would be this would be complicated on Iroh. Uh, younger Iroh, like Dragon of the West Iroh, where he's mm -hmm. a military commander laying siege to Ba Sing Se, because that could also be really dark, too. I mean, yeah, you know, he's definitely changed since then. Um, I don't know, like, I don't know how I would feel about that, but you wonder, like, what impacted him so strongly to literally go from being the one well, death, death of his son, right? Yeah, but like, even before that, like, does that amount of growth come from? from one um, life altering instance, or was it like a lot of things built up? I don't know. That's why I want to watch it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's, that's a really good point. I think, yeah, I, you know, I'm always interested in the, what are the stories that we just get a, a little half glimpse of that you'd like to see more of. Do you have other, other, other stories. If, if you could go to Netflix and, and pitch them, Here's the show I want you to go make. What would what would be another show in this world, another story in this world you'd you'd be interested in seeing? Uh, I think Boogie. I think Boogie's life. Oh yeah, <laughs> that'd be good. Yeah, that's that's a home run of an idea. <laughs> I think because there would be so much of like he. I love the fact that he is both the king of Amashu, and I feel like the people of Amashu both respect him, but also are sort of like, you know, like you have to deal with <laughs> his boominess, right? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point, but... Well, Megan and Brian, thank you so much for uh, being willing to uh, to join us uh, both on this podcast and on this adventure through uh, through the show. I get excited every week to um, when I get to watch my episodes because I only get to watch you know two episodes a week, um, and mm. then and we record on them. So I have this desire to just watch the rest of season two, but I have to do it uh, do it in these little parcels. But I have so much enjoyed. I'm um, talking with both of you um, and maybe we can connect again sometime uh, as we get into sort of later into season three. I kind of want to circle back to some of the folks that we've talked to um, now that I, at that point I'll know a little bit more about the secrets of <laughs> what makes the end of season two so great and what makes season three so great. So yeah, yeah that sounds great. That would be awesome. Well, Annie, uh, that was great. It was really fun to talk to Brian and Megan. Yes, we love talking to anybody and everybody who listens to our show or doesn't, but just loves Avatar. So please reach out. Yeah, yeah. If you, well, you'd have to be listening to the show to hear what I'm saying you know right what? now. know what? That's true. <laughs> um, but if you would like to be on the show, we would love to hear your experience with Avatar, uh, whether you're uh, a professional Avatar scholar, an amateur Avatar scholar, somebody who just loves watching the show. Um, we would love to talk with you about your experiences um, with Avatar The Last Airbender. This has been deeply fascinating to go through and to to sort of spend this time. And I've really enjoyed spending this time with all of you. So email us, channel3900 at gmail.com. Uh, we can set up an interview with you. We would love to have you on the show. If there's a, if you've seen the, the, 
the whole show already and there's a particular episode uh, you'd like to be part of, please let us know. We, we can would, make it happen. Uh, we can we can make it happen. Um, Annie, that is all the time that we have for today. Uh, I started this episode by saying this this that uh, the library is one of those apex episodes that people talk about. I even feel like by the time we got to the end of recording this, I feel like I like this episode even more. Right? Th- recording this show made me think, man, there's just so much more to this. And um, and to hear you say this is an episode, once you've seen the whole show that people go back to, just gets me even more excited. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, and I, it's hard to even speculate. I have a feeling we're going to learn about what happened on the date that was on that parchment. I think that's one of the things. And I love history, the history within this show and the mythology within this show. And this episode delivers on all of that. So um, that's all the time we have. We will be back next week with book two earth chapter 11 the desert